Welcome to the Interstate Mets Report with your hosts, Nelson and Chris. What is up, everyone? It's another episode, another edition of the Interstate Mets Report. This is episode 34. Before we get into it, I want to say almost Happy New Year to everyone that may or may not be listening in on this. Before we get to any of our topics today, as you all know, hit that thumbs up button. Hit that subscribe button on both of our channels in the description down below. And make sure you're commenting your thoughts and opinions on the live chat. Follow us on X as well. You know where to rock with us. All of your latest podcast updates and more Mets talk. Nelson, what is up, man? I haven't talked to you in forever. I know you've been busy the season, the off season. You see it on here. It's Mets cold stove season. We've had a little bit of rumors sprinkled here and there with these reports, but nothing concrete as of yet. We'll try to do our best to make a great show out of these reports and give you sort of what-if scenarios about the potential targets the Mets are going after. But, Nelson, I got to ask you, how are you doing first and foremost? It's nice to see you up here. Yeah, I'm good. Just been uh, crazy busy with the holidays and the kiddo and being off school and everything. So I barely had time to pay attention to anything going on. I've made a video, a couple videos here and there, but I haven't even been able to do one every day like I wanted to. But uh, starting next week, I should be able to get back back to normal, but it'd be, I'm excited to, to talk about whatever it is we have to talk about. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's Mets cold stove season. We'll, we'll give you all the updates. We have some great topics today. We'll be talking J.D. Martinez versus Justin Turner. We'll be talking Gio Urshela in the third base position. All that fun stuff. Everyone in the comments, make sure you drop in the, the comments in the live chat. What up to the That's My Sports podcast? Make sure you're subscribing to them as well. Yuki's in the house saying, hey, Nelson and Chris. And we got John in the chat as well. What up, John? Shout out you. Thank you for rocking with us. And like I said, I'm not in my usual setup today. So if there's any technical difficulties, Nelson, just take it away. And uh, I'll try to get back online as, as, as much as I can. So um, without further ado, let's get into it. Like I said, subscribe to all our channels, all that good stuff. But let's talk about J.D. Martinez. And this DH position that needs to be addressed, first and foremost, right? We saw how bad the Mets' 2023 DH production was. We saw the Mets were in talks with Justin Turner a couple weeks ago. And now we get the report, the most recent report, that the Mets are interested and have been at least, I'm not sure if they've directly reached out to J.D. Martinez in his camp, but they're definitely somewhat interested in eyeing that market. So, I put up a little prop here in terms of the 2023 numbers between J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner because this has been a a battle situation here, whether we're going to either go get Justin Turner or either go get J.D. Martinez, um, or the Mets can just forego everybody and I guess leave Mark Vientos out there to be the DH, which at that point would signify that the Mets 2024 plans are what they are. But let's talk about J.D. Martinez versus Justin, versus Justin Turner here. Um, for a little bit and give me your initial thoughts because when I first saw this about JD Martinez and the Mets being directly linked to JD Martinez, I was like, well, what happened with the Justin Turner talks? Did something fall through? Did Justin Turner, a 39 year old that had a great season in 2023, want more years than the Mets were comfortable giving up or more AAV than they were comfortable giving up? Like, what is going on here? Because that's a very interesting pivot point, right? And a lot of people, when they talk about the DH, these two names go hand in hand. So, Nelson, give me your initial thoughts about these two guys, especially 
how you view um, the most recent talks with, with J.D. Martinez. Yeah, I mean, I've said it since before the offseason started. Like, one of my – the biggest targets for the for me for the Mets was starting pitching, which I guess we're, we're going with plan B, plan C, whatever the hell it is we're doing. And my second thing that I've tried to hammer home, I, I wanted a DH. I'm tired of – I mean, the Daniel Vogelback experiment was horrible. We've gotten really no production – since the DH became a, a thing for us and we need someone in there that can take the job and roll with it. I have no issue with either of these guys. I feel like JD Martinez in particular, we've been attached to for rumors for years. Like it seems like every, every year that he's available, JD Martinez to the Mets is, is a thing. It hasn't happened yet. Um, will it happen this off season? Who knows? As far as, why the Justin Turner thing fell off. And I just think it's all negotiation. A lot of times people or agents and even GMs, presidents, what have you, they negotiate in the press. So it could be a, a ploy where they have, they want Turner, but they're like, you know what? Let's put it out there that we're interested in JD too. Maybe put a little pressure on him. Um, hopefully we end up with one of these guys. I honestly wouldn't be upset at either one. Um, Turner, I think gives us a little more flexibility, which I prefer, uh, because not that he's a good third baseman, but in a pinch, he could play third base. I don't want him to be our third baseman. I'm not saying that, but a DH that could fill in at third, I think it, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, Martinez is, is a lot more limited. He's pretty much is just the DH. I, 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 mean, I don't even know. Is his natural position the outfield? I don't even. I think he. I think he could. He played some outfield back in his day, but I think third base also was a position that he definitely played as well. Yeah, so. but at this point, he's pretty much a DH. Like if you get Martinez, he, you're pretty much that's all you're using him um, for, for the most part, unless you like really in a pinch. But um, so I think I like the flexibility that Turner would provide as far as not having a guy a la Vogelback that you can literally only use to hit and nothing else. Um, Turner, I feel, could not that he's a like I said, not that he's a great fielder, but he could at least fill in here and there, maybe show Beatty a few things that he knows. I mean, he wasn't a, a horrible defender in his day um, when he was a little better. So. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Like, I, either guy is light years. I said this in a video, I think, yesterday. Um, either guy is light years over Vogelback. Like, honestly, if we sign just about any of those, these guys that we've been kind of linked to, Martinez, Turner, Soler, as long as they have somewhat of a decent year to their career norms, it's going to be light years above what we got out of DH. So. That's the way I look at it. You're just looking for improvements anywhere you can. And at this point, we can't be picky. Um, it seems that we're looking for short-term deals. Both of these guys would fit that mold. So, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, and before I get into that, I just want to shout out some more comments here. We got Josh checking in here. What up, Josh? Appreciate you tuning in. We got Stoney in the chat saying Happy New Year coming soon. Shout out, Stoney. Thank you so much. 
Um, Sanders is saying Mets should uh, sign J.D. Martinez for D.H., Gio for third base, Eddie. I mean, we can go get all these guys. I just don't think that's feasible. The list goes on and on and on. But Sanders in a in a real life not that crazy to be honest. Like if all of these guys are willing to take short term deals, that is a viable plan. I don't know that we're gonna sign every single one of them, but I wouldn't complain at at that necessarily. Yeah, and I, well, I would complain about Gio Rochella, and I'm not sure if you saw my tweets surrounding Gio Rochella yesterday, but I will give my two cents on him. But these guys, like I said, Eddie Rosario definitely plays in left field, right? You can go and stick him out there for a short-term deal. J.D. Martinez, same thing. Um, we'll talk about all that here in a second. And Rick's checking in with us as well. For me, I'd lean towards the guy that's willing to take a one-year deal. Absolutely. And it's not even a guarantee that either of these guys will take a one-year deal. I think, to be honest with you, Justin Turner probably fits the, the mold a little bit more of a one-year deal rather than J.D. Martinez because J.D. Martinez is still around 35, 36, not quite 39 like Justin Turner. And the guy has been an all-star for the last three seasons, right? So that's where I, I, I think that J.D. Martinez has a right to push maybe a three-year deal with an opt-out up to the second, maybe a club opt-out, or just a straight-up two-year deal. Um, like I said, not going to complain at either one of these guys. If I had to choose with that flexibility, like uh, Rick was just saying, Turner would be my guy. But like I said, you can make the, the the argument for both guys. Justin Turner, what attracts me, Justin Turner as a hitter for the Mets is you hit the ball the opposite way with authority. And I'm not saying J.D. Martinez is incapable of doing that. But that's something in my time watching Justin Turner, I've really come to like about his hitting approach. And he gives you that defensive flexibility. Like you said, none of these guys. Turner nor J.D. Martinez are going to be sniffing the field for the most part for the New York Mets in 2024 if they're brought on. Not either of these guys. So even when it comes to third base, and we'll talk about the third base outlook here in just a second, I don't expect Justin Turner to, to sort of be that hero as a backup for Brett Beatty. Like, we can figure that out elsewhere. Um, but you look at the numbers here. I mean, listen, J.D. Martinez is a guy that this Mets fan base wanted last offseason. Ended up signing with the Dodgers. The Mets didn't take a flyer on him. And you saw the production that he was able to get, um, you know, in L.A. in that 113 games. 33 home runs, hit 271, OPS just shy of 900, which is phenomenal, and 100-plus RBI season. That is phenomenal production. Now, do I think J.D. Martinez, if the Mets sign him, is going to replicate anything close to those numbers if he's a Met? I don't think so. But we don't need him to. Either of these guys on your screen – all they need to do is hit 20-plus home runs and be a serviceable power bat right behind Pete Alonso, which is what we've been clamoring for this whole entire time. This whole entire time. And, Matt, yes, you're absolutely right. Everyone in the chat, send, send me a Gio Arcella jersey. I'm going to send that right back. I promise you. <laughs> Shout out, Matt, though. Check it in with us. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, like I said, these guys, like, dude, like, I would be – when you look at what Vogelback was able to produce as a DH, which is nothing. When you look at Vientos, right, struggling um, with the at-bats this past season, not really producing much, although he did okay, decent at the tail end. Like, these two guys fit. Not only are they great veterans to plug in um, within this 2024 Mets lineup and beyond, right, if they sign a two-year deal, they can immediately be a bench bat if necessary in 2025, right? Like, they, they're not strongholded to these guys being everyday starters in 2025. 2024, maybe they might be, right, with the way this roster is shaking out. But 2025, that's definitely not the case. 
Um, so like I said, serviceable guys, veteran guys, would love to have both, either of these guys, really, bat behind Pete Alonso in this lineup and get that true production from Pete Alonso. Now that I'm saying that we haven't seen Pete Alonso's true production so far in the major leagues, but I think it definitely would help him out just a little bit. And, um, you know, it's a no-brainer for me. I mean, I know we talked about Soler here multiple times. Um, honestly, at this point, any way you shake it up, I will accept. And honestly, I have to hold true to my word. If Vientos is the opening day DH for the New York Mets, I can't fault the New York Mets for sticking with Vientos and getting him those at-bats and actually committing to him. I know that would be from – I've seen actually some people who want Vientos as a DH. Is that, is that what I'm saying my priority is and my first choice is? Absolutely not. But when we've seen this offseason and how it's played out, Nelson, I want to get your take on this too. Naturally, our expectations have lowered for the 2024 season, right? Just naturally. And I'm not saying the Mets are not going to go out there and compete for a playoff spot, and that's not what they want. But naturally, with the way this roster is shaking out and David Stearns holding true to what was said at this past trade deadline and, and, and tail end of this 2023 season with what was said to the Mets fan base, the goal was for 2024. Would you really be angry if Mark Vientos was prioritized as the everyday DH? I'm not sure if yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be angry. I I feel like we need a bat somewhere. If it's not going to be DH, then I guess it has to be uh, left field because those are pretty much the two open spots right now. Um, so if you want to roll with Vientos and sign an outfielder, I guess that's fine. Um, I just – I personally have trouble. I mean, I know Vientos had that hot end to this – the season i don't know i i see a lot of flaws in in, in his in his game uh but i mean he's been working hard this offseason he's working he's working on his fielding with lindor um i don't know if he's actually going to get an opportunity to, to see the field obviously the mets didn't really believe in his glove and he he looked horrible there uh if we're being real but i mean if, if they give him a shot then they give him a shot i i I've said this as well, like, and to your point, once we didn't sign Yamamoto, I think the expectations did lower significantly. Although to me, I've said it in my videos, I still, I don't, I'm not in that camp that's just ready to write off 2024. I think given the right moves, we can still be a playoff team. I'm not saying this team's winning 90 games. Uh, 100 games, definitely not. But I think this team, with the right pieces plugged in, can get you mid-80s wins. Um, it could also go horribly, and we could end up in a 70 win again. Like, it, it's that's possible. But uh, I do think that the, with the right moves, we can be a playoff team. So whether it, – it's interesting because it depends on – Obviously, this is Stearns' first year. He needs to evaluate these kids one way or another to know what to do with them moving forward. Is he going to choose to play them every day in order to evaluate them? Is that the plan? I don't know. It might be. Or is his move more to, like, plug and play and maybe platoon them or what have you? Who knows? But I. I, I know that 
he's got to be thinking in terms of I want to see for myself what these kids have because you can evaluate from afar, but being able to actually see them play in front of you is different. And so obviously we're, we have different guys in the building, different front office guys, different scouts and what have you. So they're probably going to want to see what these kids have and make their own judgment. So if you want to roll with Vientos, that's fine. But I, personally, I'd prefer to sign one of these guys. Um, just in terms of trying to compete for 2024, I think that makes us better. Um, but if they don't, I, I do understand the thought process behind it. Yeah, and and I think um, I, I completely agree with you there. It really is about like how how many – you know, are they going to put one foot in the door for 2024? Or are they going to put both feet in the door? I think that's what we're asking here, right? And we're we're speculating as fans. Um, and like I said, the reason why I think Justin Turner is more of a realistic option for the Mets is because I do think that he's a true one to two year type guy in terms of the deal that he's going to get. Listen, JD Martinez coming off of you know a little bit of an injury history took a chance on himself to take that one year deal with the Dodgers. It was essentially a prove it year deal. He only played in 113 games, but you look at that production in 113 games, I mean, you're not really going to get that anywhere else on this market right now, to be honest with you. So I don't think that J.D. Martinez is just going to settle for a one-year deal. Hell, he might not even settle for a two-year deal. Like I said, an, an option there, a three-year deal with an option somewhere in between might make more sense. And if it takes a two-year deal to get Justin Turner in the door – he still plays well for this Mets bench in 2025 when the Mets have more flexibility to do more in the offseason. And like I said, before we keep talking, around 36 people in the chat right now, make sure you're subscribing to both those channels, hitting that thumbs up on both channels, and dropping those comments in the live section. Definitely appreciate the support in the podcast. It does mean a lot to us. I, I um, let's get to some comments here before we truck on. Yeah, what's up, Nelson? Just on one to two year deals, I'm okay with both of these guys. If it takes any more than that, I'm out. I don't want to give either of these guys a three-year deal. I'm not in the game of giving 30-something-year-old guys three years. I just I, I'm I personally am out on that. So hopefully it seems like if from all the re if you read the tea leaves, the Mets do want to stick to one to two-year deals. I'm perfectly fine with that plan. But yeah, if it takes three to get either of these guys, then Let's just roll with Vientos. <laughs> that, I completely agree with you. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly the sort of boat that I'm in. I think that's what the Mets front office has been showing us. Um, let's see here. Stoney's asking whether we'd prefer Jorge Soler or J.D. Martinez. If I had to pick one, I think I'm going to go with J.D. Martinez on this one, to be honest with you. Um, that would be my choice. What about you, Nelson? Yeah, I, I think – even though he's older, I like JD's game a little better. Um, Jorge strikes out a ton. Um, I think I don't know. I'm confusing guy. At this point in the game, everybody strikes out a ton. But uh, I don't know. I, I like JD's game a little better than Solaire's. Um, he hits for more average. Uh, I just I don't know. I. I would like I said I wouldn't be mad at any of these guys. I Solaire as well, but I, I feel like you're gonna have to pay Solaire more for some. I think um, 
Yeah, I, I think I'd go with JD. It's tough because JD's coming off of an all-star season. So Lair's coming off of an all-star season. Justin Turner's not, but he had a great season and, and and he played 146 games at the age of 38 for the Boston Red Sox this past season. So like the market is really tough to sort of gauge here with these guys, given those respective accolades and, and the age factor. We got Frank checking in saying, let's go Mets. I definitely appreciate you. Richard saying he's got He's got you, CP. Got me, CP. I appreciate it. Thank you for hitting that thumbs up and subscribing to all the channels. Appreciate it. We got Ant from the Subway to Shade podcast. Make sure you're checking him out and subscribing to his channel. Either one of these guys are good, and I don't think it will stunt the growth of the kids. Remember JD and Turner's age. Those guys will need adequate rest to stay healthy. Absolutely. You could see a little bit of a load management type situation with these guys as well. Um, and those guys, I would not be mad about platooning, right? Like you platoon those guys, that's fine. Who cares? Um, and I think someone else made a good point in here. And it was, and again, following up saying these guys might want one more chance, one last chance in their careers to win a World Series. I agree with that as well, especially for Justin Turner's sake. Um, I, I do agree with that, Ant. That's a great point. I think a lot of people, I don't think it's as big of an issue or big of a factor as it is in let's say maybe a sport like, I don't know, basketball or something like that. But I, I absolutely agree with you. That is absolutely a factor. Although, um, I mean, they both have rings, don't they? Pretty sure. I believe so, yeah. I mean, Justin Turner with the Dodgers, right? And then um, JD with the Red Sox. Red Sox so. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you could – I mean, one more ring would never hurt. But I, it's a little different yeah. when you've already got one than when you – if you're still, like, hunting for one. Or you can make the, the counter argument and saying that Justin Turner, this is his last opportunity to get a bag in this league, right? And he's going to take the, the offer that gives him that extra year of security to pay him one extra year. Like that's also a factor too that you can point out, especially in terms of Justin Turner. So like I said, the chat's awesome. Keep dropping those comments. Uh, we got about 40 people in the chat right now watching this video. Tell your friends, tell your family, all that good stuff. And, like and what was that? I want to highlight one comment here. Sure. Yeah, let's get started. I've seen this said a lot. It's Yes, we were willing to sign Yamamoto for $325 million, But that was a special case. That's a guy that's, what, 24, 25 years old. He's an ace, potential ace pitcher. Like, the Mets made it pretty clear that – he was like the unicorn that they were going to throw the bag at. And if they got him, great. And if they did it, well, that doesn't mean we're going to go and spend all that money on whoever just for the sake of spending it. Like, to me, Blake Snell and J.D. Montgomery aren't worth J.D. Jordan Montgomery. I'm sorry. We were talking about J.D. Martinez too much. Um, Jordan Montgomery just aren't worth throwing half of that money even, maybe more, to – to, to make up for not getting Yamamoto. I just, to me, it's it's not smart. I, I really think the goal is to not spend three to four hundred million on payroll every year. Yes, Cohen has a ton of money, but it's just not smart to just throw that that crazy money out on payroll every single year. You have to balance it with your prospects and and just making smart moves that aren't going to break the bank. I, I just just don't think it's realistic to expect these guys to take that Yamamoto money and just throw it at anybody. Like, 
just not smart. Yeah, the, the point that I've been preaching, whether it's on here or talking Mets with Rob's channel when we do our, our Mets Roundtable podcast, like the, the Mets are prioritizing strategy here and they're prioritizing a plan moving forward. And they're sticking to it. To their credit, uh, the fans are not happy. This is a New York market and the fans are not happy. And I understand that. But they're sticking to it. And this comment directly feeds into that. Mets should just tell the truth that they are rebuilding um, or playing for a playoff spot in 2024. They have been telling you the truth. They haven't said it directly, but everything that David Stearns has said since he's taken over and accepted the job as the Mets Pobo, he's told you the truth and he has not lied to a single one of us in this fan base. Um, I think a lot of people do have to realize that. Um, and Drifter, absolutely thank you for checking into the stream. Mets can make one impact move this offseason, preferably via trade. And if it's con it's a, a controllable player in terms of the contract being controllable, I think they will if, you know, both parties are happy with the negotiations. I think that the Mets wouldn't hesitate at that to, to make that kind of deal. Richard is right here. I was confusing Soler and Teoscar Hernandez. Sorry, I, like I said, I, my brain's in a fog, but he's right. It's, it's Hernandez that whiffs a whole lot more. Soler's actually not that bad. Solaire, it's I mean, it's a twenty-five percent K rate for Solaire, around roughly, and a thirty-one percent K rate for Teoscar. So yeah, Teoscar is definitely a lot higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still, I, I, I wouldn't mind signing either of those guys. So that's that's just where I'm at. This is such a throwback. When I used to play MLB Two K Six, Xavier Nady is a guy that I always used to play. And I'm like, dude, this is so like. I can I can always rely on these guys to throw some random name out there. Shout out Xavier Nady and shout out to That's My Sports Podcast. I definitely appreciate it. Okay, are you good on the DH so far? Like we both, I think, are agreeing that either of these guys, if they get got brought in, probably are not going to replicate like in terms of the actual overall statistics, like probably what they replicated last season, especially JD Martinez. But we'd be oh. happy with either one, right? Yeah, I'm good with. Listen, my. I've said this, shout out Keith from Shainson's, because he says it at, in the starting pitching market. His barometer for can you sign with the Mets is, are you better than Tyler McGill? My barometer is, are you better than Daniel Vogelback when it comes to DH? Either of these guys are better than Daniel Vogelback. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with going this route. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we're moving on. DH has been taken care of. Like I said, this is all speculation. We're just going off of what we've been hearing on the initial reports. There's nothing concrete and nothing serious. Um, and Keith, speak of the devil, is checking in here uh, with some Amish heart emojis as well. So um, let's talk about third base. Whew. Let's talk about third base because people were not liking yeah, my gotta, answer on Gio Urshela and why yeah, I don't want him on this team. What, what is your what is your Gio Urshela issue I, I i get i get what you're saying in far in the sense of if you're trying to evaluate Beatty, you want to give him the majority of the reps but i don't think that signing urshela necessarily means you're not giving Beatty a shot i i think he's a capable guy to if things don't work out with Beatty, if you put him out there and he's absolutely continues to stink He's a guy that then you can pivot to and be like, all right, let let's just sign, let's just let Geo cook at third. Or I mean, I think he's a, capable of playing a couple other positions as well if you need him. But I, I don't know. I I like his glove for sure. 
His bat is all right. I mean, obviously, anything's better than what Beatty did last year. Beatty was horrible. But uh, I don't know. I, I just don't hate I don't hate it at the right years and money. Um, but, yeah, I see a comment. If Beatty can't beat a shell of the Mets have deeper issues. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Like, you can sign Urshela, and then, listen, Beatty's just got to go win the job. Like, you, you're a, you were a top prospect for this team. Like, step up, bro. And if you can't, then you have Geo to, to step in for you. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, this is the comment that I take issue with. Because, like, if you're bringing Urshela in to compete with Brett Beatty for the job, like, that means they're – serious about giving him the opening day job at third base, which is my whole point of why I don't want Urshela. Like, I don't want him anywhere near the opening day third base position. Like, I, I don't care what Brady, Brad Beatty does in spring training. This is a guy who didn't start off. He got hurt at the tail end of 2022, and he didn't start off on the opening day active roster in 2023, and he got brought up thereafter like i'm not saying like maybe i'm being too lenient with brett Beatty in terms of him getting in the rhythm he's only got what a uh, hundred and just around 120 games under his belt not even a full 162 like this is a guy that we both said earlier on in our interstate mets maybe when we didn't have as large of a, you know of people tuning in that we can't it's not feasible to give up brett Beatty at this juncture of his career, right? He's 24 years old. He's not the guy, he's not the 21, 22 year old exciting prospect that's going to come in and make an immediate impact like Ellie De La Cruz did, right? That's the, it's, that's not happening. That ship has long sailed. But what we can do is give him every ample opportunity in this bridge year to display that. And like your point said, Nelson, what is the leash point for Brett Beatty? You said if he stinks it up and you have Gio Urshela to come in and relieve him, how are we judging that leash? Like, what's the judgment there? Like, what point of the season? Halfway through, three-fourths of the way through? Like, there needs to be a plan there is my whole point. You know what I mean? Uh, no, and I, I'm fine with that. I'm not saying – this is where I'm – I guess the disconnect with me is I'm not saying necessarily make it a, a third-base battle at spring training. Like, I think Beatty should be given the opportunity to run with the job. But yeah, there has to be a point, and I'm not the manager. I don't know where that point is. To me, I I give him a couple months, but if he hasn't shown that he's made any progress, and to me, it's not even just with the bat. Defensively, he was horrible. Like you need to show me that you can make the plays at third base. If you can't, we cannot continue to roll you out there. It, it's just not feasible. If you're going to do that, you might as well stick Mark Vientos at third base. So that's where I'm at. So having Gio Urshela to kind of push him a little bit, I don't think that's a bad thing. And if he's too fragile to that, he can't have a guy behind him, like pushing him and, and that throws him off, then maybe sayonara, you need to go play in Oakland. Cause I feel like that's the best place for you where nobody's watching you and, and you, you, your mental can, can stay stay afloat because that's where I'm at with Beatty. Like I'm not ready to just give up on him, but the leash isn't incredibly long either. Like he has to show me something. Yeah. And no, like I said, like to be honest with you, I'm gonna be very transparent about this. If there was a, a perfect world where the Mets could have traded Brett Beatty this offseason for something valuable, right? And if, if, if his uh if his 
I guess, quote unquote, value wasn't low, then I might have explored that. But that wasn't an option for the New York Mets in this front office at all. So um, you have to see where he's going to go. And I'm not saying that Brett Beatty has been the next best thing or is going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. You see the stats and they speak for themselves on your screen. I'm not trying to sell you a beater of a car. Like, I'm not trying to sell you that on Brett Beatty. What I'm saying, though, is that I, you guys know what I'm saying, and Nelson, I know you know what I'm saying, but yeah. it, it just comes to a point where there's a, there's a trade market that's developing for third baseman, premier third baseman in the 2025 offseason, and there's a couple of free agent big names that they don't get extensions with their respective teams that you could potentially sign in free agency. So that's what I'm saying is like, let this kid either prove himself or not and go to 2025 and go get yourself a third baseman via trade or free agency that's all i'm saying 108 games in 2023 with the 10 games that he appeared in in 2022 is not enough of a sample size i think the chat that's all i want you all to know yeah no i i'm i'm with you i don't know if the chat is i do want to address this comment personally no i did not want um mauricio at third base I felt Mauricio looked better at second base. I felt he had some chemistry with Lindor up the middle. I personally, if Mauricio didn't get hurt, I was saying it time and time again. I I thought it was a good idea to play Mauricio at second, trade Jeff McNeil, and roll with Beatty at third base or Beatty and have sign a guy like, or Shella or what have you to kind of be that backup just in case. That's where I felt um, I wanted to go with it. Obviously, once Mauricio got hurt, that changed. I I don't think McNeil is expendable at this point. I think now we need him for second base. Um, so it's not – and we'll get to that. Uh, I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about real quick uh, shortly. but. Yeah, I don't I don't think that is feasible now. But yeah, I was I was actually very much against playing Mar I Mauricio never looked good to me at third with the brief time he was in winter ball this um offseason that he played there. He made tons of errors. I, I just I didn't like what I saw there. I, I thought second base was gonna be his home. That's what I thought too. I'm I'm right there with you. I would have rather seen if Ronnie Mauricio is still in the picture for 2024. I would have rather seen him play second base. And if Gio Urshela could play second base, I'd have no problem bringing him in to play second base while McNeil roams left field if he's still going to be around. Like I would have no problem with that. And we'll talk about it here the second base market in a second. Um, but this right here is not true, Richard. He, he, you cannot send a 24 year old down to the minor leagues anymore already than, than they already have to, to in hopes that he figures it out like it's just not happening it's not happening in new york at least so um i would not count on that brett bait is going to be on the opening day roster he's going to start at third base presumably i would hope because it would be very counterproductive if he doesn't and that's going to be it he either proves himself and he sticks around or he doesn't and he's going to be out of here come 2025 that's as simple as it gets like that is plain terms what was happening and um yeah, they, like I said, there, there's 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 a lot of factors here at play. Yeah, to that point, Geo, he, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of middle infield, but he has played some shortstop, 
and a few games at second. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could play elsewhere, not just at third base. I did see that. It was a very limited sample size. I didn't really look too much into it, but I did see that he has at least an inkling of experience over there up the middle too. So I, I do understand that as well. Um, let's see here. Trying to see if there's any comments. There's a lot of comments here, which we'll get to toward the end. Uh, shout out Yamid here. I saw enough of Beatty at third. Move Beatty left. And Mauricio looked better than Beatty at third. I mean, if you guys don't want to win ball games and you want to stick Brett Beatty at left field, presumably where he's worse <laughs> and defensively, then by all means, like, let's do it. I just don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. Like, there's only so many... So many, so much maneuvering you can do with these guys that are struggling defensively. And that's the same reason why I don't think Vientos is touching the, the, the field at all. Whether The only time Vientos will touch the field in 2024, in my humble opinion, and you guys can come back to this if I'm wrong, I'll openly say that I'm wrong and I was wrong, but we're not going to see Vientos at third base at all. We'd see him behind Pete Alonso at first base, maybe. If Pete Alonso needed a, a day rest and Justin Turner signed somewhere else, we would see Vientos backing up at third base or at first base, but it's not going to happen at third base. Let's let's just give that up. Um, but yeah, like I said, that's my third base outlook for the New York Mets. It's Brett Beatty's job to lose. If you want to bring Gio Urshela in here to back up Brett Beatty, by all means, go and do so. I just have a lot of reservations about Gio Urshela signing up for that type of gig with the New York Mets. That's That's where I'm at with that. I have a lot of reservations about that. So Gio Rochelle is not at the forefront of my mind. Those DH options, if the Mets are going to upgrade offensively, and I understand this is an upgrade defensively at third base, but I just I just can't reason that being the case where he takes over Brett Beatty's job at any point of the 2023 season. Unless Brett Beatty gets to a point where he's absolutely horrible, like we're talking about Eduardo Escobar-type horrible from the left side for that little stretch of period, um, you know, when we saw him in 2023, then that's a different case, a different story. But I just cannot. And yeah, we have forgot about Joey Wendell here. Joey Wendell also is in play. Like, I think of Joey Wendell maybe more as a second baseman option for the New York Mets in 2024. But Joey Wendell also, like, he, he can be that backup that Gio Urshela, everyone wants to sign Gio Urshela to be. Like, he is that guy, really, right? To keep point. Yeah, he has like, got a better bat. Of course, of course. I mean, he just he's coming off 299. He's usually floating around 250, 260 when he plays a, a, a decent amount of, uh, of games in a season. He only played 62. But what else minus this average and maybe a little bit of a better defensive sort of option at third base are we really clamoring for here? What are we doing? He hits. He's hit two home runs last season. He hit 299. Great. The OPS is horrible. He doesn't drive runs in. He doesn't hit for power. What do we want in Gio Urshela? That's all I'm saying. He only played, let's be fair, he only played 60 games last year. The year before where he played 144, he hit 13 homers and had 64 RBI. His OPS was 767. That's not that's not bad. I mean, I, I don't know that I want to give that guy, a guy like that, a ton of money or anything like that, but that's not horrible. He hit 285, like, he has had a couple of serviceable seasons. I mean, going back to – it's been a while, 2019 with the Yankees, he had 21 homers, 74 RBIs, he had 314. So the bat he, – he's shown potential with his bat that, in fairness, we haven't seen at all with Brett Beatty in the majors. We saw it in the minors. In the major leagues, Brett Beatty so far hasn't shown us anything. But to your point, 
Brett Beatty hasn't gotten a full season worth of games yet. So I just think you're we're selling Geo a little bit short, but I do understand your point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm dying on that hill. I'm sorry. I've already made my decision. I get those points are definitely valid that you're making and the chat's making as well. But I like if you're if you're listening to CP, listening to CP, New York Sports, a true Mets talk podcast, we are anti-Geo Urshela to the Mets in 2024. I'm not saying he's a bad player though. I'll not say that because that would be ludicrous. He's serviceable. He's shown consistency somewhat in his career. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just don't want him for the New York Mets in 2024. That's it. Um, like Joey Wendell, please. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I like I said, this is a whole merry-go-round situation here when we're talking about depth pieces. And I think we all know Brett Bay is gonna be the opening day starter. And I think that's just what it is at this point. So let's move onward. Um, let's talk about some pitching. I get sick of talking about pitching because that's all we've talked about, especially when Yamamoto was still on the table. We haven't talked about offense, which is refreshing to do in the first 40 minutes of this episode. But let's talk about Lucas Giolito, a guy that really intrigues me. He really does. He's been going on rants on his ex account about Lucas Giolito. Whether it's a little bit of troll mixed in there or not, that's that that's 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 only Keith knows, right? But like I said, this is a guy when you talk about this rotation and their unwillingness to give a Jordan Montgomery or Shota Imanaga, maybe or Blake Snell, those long-term deals, which I fully respect. I wouldn't do so either with the way this team is shaking out. You plug in Lucas Giolito, and if he wants a two-year deal, you give him a two-year deal. Because guess what? You have Quintana coming off the books. Severino, if he doesn't prove himself on the prove-it-year deals, coming off the books. Hauser is coming off the books. You got three spots right there immediately that you need to fill in in 2025 at the, at the worst-case scenario. You see here, you see his stats right here. I call him an innings eater. Because regardless of how many innings he goes in a ball game, I saw someone combating me this on X, which is which is great. It was a healthy debate. I understand their point. He said someone said that he's not a true innings eater because he only throws five and a thirds innings on average in a ball game, and we're looking for starters to go six. But my theory, my thing is, is that if you throw 184 innings in a season, you are automatically an innings eater at that point, no matter what, by default, by default. That is something where you do not find on this open market too frequently nowadays. Like nobody on the open market right now, and even that signed before Lucas Giolito, is replicating that type of workload. And he's done this for three seasons consistently as well. The long ball is an issue. The ERA sucked. The strikeouts and K per nine is there. And the walks per nine needs work. There's two sides to the argument with Lucas Giolito. Let me hear your take on Lucas Giolito. Uh, when we started this offseason, I said it. Heck, I said it before the offseason even started. I never really wanted this guy anywhere near the Mets. I've gotten to the point where I've talked to my talked myself into that it's okay if we get him. I still don't really want him, but it's to the point where if the plan is not to overpay for guys like Snell and Montgomery, then at this point. Giolito is kind of like the best of the worst. I hate to put it that way, but he, he pretty much is. Um, there's not a ton left out there. Yes, Imanaga's out there. Hard to argue whether he – there's no guarantee he pitches better than Giolito, to be honest, and he's going to probably cost more. And the Mets don't want to give up a ton of years. So um, I, I'll take it. I would much prefer – and maybe they still do. Maybe they sign Giolito and s still trade for a maybe better 
rotation arm. That's my hope anyway. I don't know that that's going to be a fact. I'm just really hoping. <laughs> like, if I am hanging on to hope in for this rotation, it's that if Giolito is the move, that he isn't the only move, that there is a trade somewhere to solidify more of that top end of the rotation. I'm not saying trade for an ace, unless you do get a Dylan Cease, which would be awesome. Um, granted, he had a down year last year, if we're being honest, but his stuff is great. He's still young. He's still controllable. Um, if you can get a, a better arm, with Giolito, then I'm to me it's easier to swallow. If Giolito is is the the big get for the rotation, then oh, that's gonna suck for me a little bit. It's gonna be a tough pill to swallow. But I, again, I get it. I get the vision. I get where they're going. My my thing, and this is where I do agree with some of the the Met. I, I don't even know how to explain the the Mets fans that are just up in arms like constantly the 2025 pitching market really isn't as good as some would think so if we're gonna just say screw it we're not going for any like solid arms in 2024 where are we getting that production in 2025 because Zach Wheeler's good pitcher, getting older, probably not going to want to come back here anyway. Um, then you got guys like what? Kervin Burns. Listen, if you look at, I mean, Keith, again, shout out Keith. He posted his stats like he's trending down. Uh, Shane Bieber. I'm still taking him, though. I'm still taking Corbin Burns. I don't care. I'm still taking I, him. I would. <sighs> I would take him depending on what he's getting, but he's another guy that I'm not willing to give him a crazy contract. I, I just, I'm not it, to, to trade for him and then see what he gives you this year. And then maybe consider signing him. I, I don't hate that idea, I guess. Um, I just don't know to me. To me, the, the Burns and Bieber, like, these are risky gets. Um, like I said, Wheeler, I don't see coming here. Like, your options are going to be limited, man. So I, I don't know. And we're going to be in the same boat where we have Senga and almost nobody else. Unless, unless, here's the kicker. Some of these prospects could pan out. And we are going to start to find that out this year. I mean, we do have Christian Scott, who is my favorite arm in the farm. I think we will see him in 2024. Vassal's out there. I'm not as in love with Vassal, but I think he could be serviceable. And then you got the Tidwells, and, and there's other there's guys out there. Whether how soon they'll be ready, I don't know. Um, but if some of those guys start to pan out then you start okay you can build a rotation off of that but relying on like drifter's saying here relying on these future free agents is a little skeptical yeah no i agree with you that 2025 class like on paper right is is okay 
this is what this is why what hurts me so much with the Yamamoto situation, right? And even the Erod situation this offseason. I hope you you can still hear me because it's sort of getting a little laggy on my end, and hopefully everything's good. Am I good? Okay. That's what that's what hurt me a lot with Erod and Yamamoto in this class because like I saw that 2025 class, and on paper it looks decent and it looks salvageable, but when you look at the ages of those of that class, it's not great. Right. And you already said Zach Wheeler's probably not coming back. What, say what you want about Corbin Burns. If the Mets have to go get him and they have no other options, right, then they're probably going to make an offer to him. Like, despite everything else that's going on with him, that's, you know, the, the trend downward, like you said, and like he's been saying. But I, that's what, like, you would have had an established foothold at the top two of your rotation in Yamamoto and Senga. And it would have been great. And I hate to just go back and, and say this guy's name because of all the, the press conference and answers that we got out of him. I mean, he's bogus. He's bogus. Forget about the guy. But it would have been nice. But like I said, strictly getting back onto the topic of Giolito in, you know, for the Mets in this offseason, I think it's a great play. This is a guy that threw his fastball in 2022 at a 47% clip, dialed it back in 2023. And through that changeup and slider combination a little bit more. Um, has very good put-out potential. A lot of movement. Has that slider. You see 28% clip usage on the slider. David Stearns loves that. Doesn't even need the curveball. The curveball is really, I mean, like, one. you threw it one and a half percent. I mean, it's essentially a non-factor, right? It's good to keep yeah, the hitters no closed. But, yeah, 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 exactly. So um, this is a guy that plays, like, he needs to learn. He needs to get back to his old ways of keeping the ball in the ballpark. Forty-one home runs is his season. Is his career worst? Of okay, my sound is good. Okay, good. This, this is his career worst for you know in terms of home runs allowed, right? But the strikeouts, like something's there. Like there's a meaning behind those strikeouts. There's a meaning behind the that K per nine clip. There's a meaning to that. So. If the Mets can find a way to get a guy like this in the door, maybe they get great production out of a Luis Severino and he figures it out, right, back to what he used to produce. This rotation, like, it isn't the best. We're not going to win, like you said, 90 ball games, But maybe we can squeak out a, a, a tail-end wildcard spot. Maybe. Yeah, you no. add pieces here and there. There's potential. Yeah, I, I said it. I did a video yesterday where I compared where our rotation stands now to where it was like heading into the season last year and then obviously what the production we actually got if you're judging it off of the production we got you just you have to you got to try to put the names out of your mind because obviously Scherzer and Verlander those are big names you think oh my god those are studs but if you look at it production wise it won't take much production wise for this rotation to be better than last year's. Kodai Senga was by far our best pitcher last year. Quintana, when he actually got the pitch, which wasn't until midseason, was pretty serviceable. But other than those two guys, everybody else pretty much stunk. So we don't have to necessarily... Yeah, everybody likes the stars. Everybody likes the big names. We don't necessarily need all studs to to have a serviceable rotation that can provide like you said mid 80s wins get us in a position to fight for a playoff spot and to that point giolito does 
serve that purpose. And City Field is a little bit more of a pitcher's park. He'll be pitching in the National League, which he has been in the AL, which the AL seems to be a little bit of a more hitter's league. Like, his numbers could play up a little bit just based on that. So I don't – I mean, yeah, and to the point, Carrasco had a 6 ERA. Like, we had horrible pitchers. McGill was horrible. Peterson wasn't good. It was bad. The rotation was was awful. Even Sturzer and Verlander, they when they were here, they weren't pitching to their level, especially Scherzer. So we don't really have that far to go to provide an upgrade to the rotation. So guys like Giolito exactly. could do that. So I, I, I'm I'm on board with it. I don't love it, but at this point, with what the vision seems to be going forward. I, I'm I'm with it. I, I know I know a lot of Mets fans don't love it. A lot of Mets fans want the big names, and that's all they're they're clamoring about. And we should have had um, Yamamoto and this, that, and the other. And the Will Ponds are back, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it. I've heard it all. To me, it's all noise. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's not nearly as ugly as as some people make out. It ain't great. Not going to sit here and tell you it's great, but I've seen I've seen some pretty questionable rotations win. The Rangers, the Rangers last year, their rotation wasn't phenomenal. Like, it, they, it really wasn't. Jordan Montgomery was their best pitcher, and he was good, but let's see, he's not an ace. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't you think hear what you're saying. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think the point, like, the point of the matter is, is like, given who we saw and got production out of last season, we were still talking about what in around August time, maybe late July. No, maybe no, even early August time after we sold off those pieces at the deadline, we were still talking like, well, the Mets are only six, seven, eight ball games back of this. If they go on the little hot streak there, like they were like, they won a couple games with like Jonathan RIUs, and we we're like going on this show saying. Well, maybe there's a chance, but and if that's the case with those guys, then like you said, we're really not that far off. Like in terms of being able to put ourselves in a position to squeak into the playoffs, we are not up here trying to sell you all that we are better than the Braves and Phillies and we're going to compete for that division. That is not what we're trying to sell you on. But we are here to tell you like this isn't no, it's see this is what I'm saying like Oh, I don't know. Actually, this wasn't his point. I don't know. He said, are you comparing the AL Central to the NL East? We're not trying to sell you on the Mets being top dogs in the NL East. Like, it's not going to happen. All I'm saying that we were going into the season, 2023, after the trade deadline, the Mets were still in it, given the lack of horrible production or given the horrible production out of guys behind Kodai Sango, like Max Scherzer, Carrasco, Peterson, McGill, all those guys. And we still found a way to keep it, keep this team in it until the very end, right? Not till the very end, because there was some separation there um, at some point, but till August at least. So I think, you know, for not going on a rant, like I know I'm going on a rant about this, like I think people do have to realize that as well. And I know it's like loser mentality this, loser mentality that, like I get it. But we're up here talking about L Lucas Giolito, but neither of us on here wanted Lucas Giolito at the beginning of the off season. He was not at the forefront of our minds at all. Like we're going to be blatantly honest about that. And Nelson, you just said it, and I will hold myself accountable too. I didn't want Lucas Giolito, but when we're talking about how the Mets season or offseason has been playing out, 
sure, we'll take Lucas Giolito at this point. Like, it's just that's just what it is. And to answer that, no, I'm not comparing. He gets what I'm trying to say. He's just, I'm not in the mood for your BS today, Yamizi. I'm just really not. So I'm, I'm just going to let that one go. I will answer this question. Uh, you think the IFA pool money is, if it's not spent, they sign a guy with a qualifying offer? Honestly, the if you there's a guy on Twitter, I hate that I'm not going to remember his handle. He's like on top of all these international free agent signings. I know who you're talking about. Hold on, let me try. And the Mets are committed already to pretty much spending all of their international free agent money. So I don't think they want to lose that money um, to sign a guy with a qualifying offer. The draft pick maybe won't mean as much, but um. So I really don't think they want to lose that money. I mean, I guess it's possible. I just don't know who, who's left that has a qualifying offer. To be honest, I, I'm forgetting um, that Hater. we here. Oh, that we would get. I mean, Blake Snell, yeah. really, right? That's oh, yeah. Chapman, uh, Tones like, boy, Chapman. Oh, yeah, Chapman, Tones boy. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I do. They want to do that. I I don't see it. Um. I don't – I mean, if they – I really hope they don't go after Snell. I get it. I get why people would want him. I'm not a Snell guy, though, so I don't know. I don't see it, but anything is possible. Stearns, is, Stearns doesn't show his hand, man. I, I don't know. I still think we're going to get a trade out of nowhere that none of us see coming. I still see that being the case. What do you think about, since we're on the topic of, of Lucas Giolito, John's bringing up Sean Manaya, who's been absolutely putrid since his Oakland A's days, right? But we we all seen the tweets about him getting in that pitching lab and upping his velocity to like 97, 98 from the left side. Like, would you take a flyer on him at all to answer John's question? Like, at this point, if we're talking Lucas Giolito, you might you might as well, right? Take a flyer on, on anybody, I guess. Like, I mean, we're, we're really not in a position to – Beggars can't be choosers, right? So if we're not going after the top-tier guys, we have to try to find a diamond in the rough somewhere. Is that Manaya potentially? Potentially, who knows? Maybe. I I really don't know. It's so hard because I don't know. Like, it was obvious Yamamoto was the guy. After that, it nothing's obvious. <laughs> like, it not. Is your it's a total guessing game. Like Yamamoto was the main target we missed, and now I have no idea where we're going. Shout out Yuki. Shout out Yuki. I appreciate you supporting the podcast. Like I said, everybody's welcome to their opinions in the live chat. This is public. Like you guys can say whatever you want in the chat. Be respectful about it. Like we have our thoughts and opinions. You guys have yours. We can come to a common conclusion. We're Mets fans at the at the end of the day. We're all Mets fans. And I appreciate you guys are even here to begin with and, and taking time out of your day for us. But like I said, like we like Steve Cohen. I mean, if we're gonna really attack Steve Cohen here, I mean, this it's 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 not even worth the conversation. Like you can maybe have the last laugh in terms of how the offseason is playing out this offseason. But all I'm saying is that if you say something like this. And like you said, like I said, you're entitled to your own opinion. If 2025 offseason comes around and the Mets build a complete roster like we all think they might and, and they might spend a lot more, right, and get back to their old ways and spending, are you going to stick with this narrative? Is this just going to live on forever? Or is or are we just picking and choosing here? That's my genuine question for those people 
doubting, you know, Steve Cohen and, and everything that's going on. Like, if you're picking this side, like, you can definitely change the tune-up later, but I'm going to come back and remember all this and just say, Steve Cohen came around, like, he's no longer Dumpster Steve, you know what I mean? So, like I said, there's there's always two sides of the fence here, but I just I just don't know. Like, we're we're here talking to you all about December 29th and where the Mets are at on December 29th. We could come up here and talk about how we all hate what the Mets are doing and how we hate what David Stearns is doing, but we're choosing to take on a more objective route at this and play the game that the Mets are playing this offseason and look at these tier B type guys and analyze them. That's, that's all, that's all we're doing. Um, let's see here. Stearns got Yelich in a second year. So money ball until 25. Yeah. Okay. Game four. See, that's what I'm saying. Like you, like you understand the thing here, like the Mets might be playing money ball in 2024. I'm not going to put that, that stand past them because really like can we say that it's anything else but money ball at this point they're setting themselves up for future success and we just have to have the patience and if you don't and as a Mets fan it's okay because a lot of people don't but you got no choice you got no choice <laughs> to be honest with you none of us have a choice you got a so, choice that's that's my point there. you, you got a choice you can choose to be miserable but i, I and i i think you have as well are choosing not to be is where is where we're at we're 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 trying to stay positive yeah absolutely absolutely talking Mets with Rob's in the chat he's going live with uh talking Mets with Hayden or Mets talk with Hayden later I cannot I'm gonna be out tonight so those guys can hold it down. I'm not sure if you're hopping on with them but I'm busy so go check that stream out later on today uh and subscribe to his channel and uh, New Year's resolution, try to not exactly. have the Mets annoy me. Yeah, man, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, let's try. Let, like, composure is key here. Composure is key. John agrees, and Yuki agrees as well. He's saying, yo, Rob, what's up? Uh, Patty's in the Be chat. Good. What up, Patty? Um, saying good point to Game for War here. So I appreciate all the comments. Let's get into our last topic of the day before we get out of here. It's a lovely Friday. We got about 50 people in the chat. So like I said, make sure you're subscribing to both channels. Get us both to 350 subscribers. We're well on our way there. Make sure you drop those comments and hit that thumbs up on both channels. We definitely appreciate it and helps the the this channel, this show grow. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm sure Nelson does as well. Let's take, a, let's take a look at second base. Jeff McNeil's numbers. Because as of right now, if the season were to begin today, Jeff McNeil is the second baseman. I firmly believe that. So... Here are his numbers from 2022 versus 2023. Are we expecting a bounce back season? Nelson, I know your, your take on Jeff McNeil. I know you're not completely sold on him, but I do think that his sample size in his career does indicate, right, for me that I can expect better than what we saw in 2023. Maybe I'm being optimistic. Maybe I'm being hopelessly optimistic, but I want to see him get back. And I'm sure all Mets fans want to see him get back to those 2022 numbers. Obviously, a very, very sharp discrepancy between the two. And I put a couple little nuggets there at the bottom. One name, a familiar face that is also a free agent right now. If we're talking about second base options and putting McNeil left field, potentially, if they're not planning to sign a left fielder, you got to find someone to put a second base, right? So, and it's not going to be Joey Wendell. I respect Joey Wendell, but he's not going to be starting on this team. So let me hear what you got about the second base uh, outlook for the 2024 Mets season. Let's get out of here. Yeah, no, uh, be real quick, I do want to shout out Rob. Um, haven't been able to be on the show lately, and I apologize for that, but can't wait to get back. Starting next week, I will be able to do the show, uh, the Mets Roundtable, with you guys more consistently. 
So looking forward to that. So check them out tonight if you can. I think 7 o'clock is when they're doing that. Uh, yeah, me and McNeil are not best friends. But um, I do think he – I'm not saying – I don't think he's going to have a 2022 year. I do think it's not – definitely not out of the realm of possibility for him to – and actually maybe even likely that he has a much better 2024. Personally, I just thought that he, if without Marie at this point, no, but with Mauricio on the team and given all the infield prospects and what have you that we have coming up, I felt that it would have been a solid time to look into moving on. He has a pretty team-friendly contract. He has a game that... I think teams were value and you could get some decent pieces for him. I thought that that was a possibility before Mauricio got hurt. Now that Mauricio's hurt, I think he's your starting second baseman. There isn't really a second baseman out there that I would sign. I mean, there, I don't love any of the the names out there. Um, I see Mad Rosario. No, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> the guy's just not uh, – he's not a good fielder, to be honest. He, he, I just don't – I'd rather see the question, can Luis Angel Acuna be ready in 2024? That seemed to be the thinking. I don't know that he'll be – he definitely probably won't be ready at the start of 2024. I think we will see him at some point. If that's the case, and then you – if we don't have a left fielder at that point, do we shift him McNeil over to left field? I could see that in a possibility. Um, if Luis Angel comes up around the deadline or before the deadline and he's hits the ground running, do the Mets then maybe trade McNeil? I don't know. It depends on a lot of things, obviously, like how, what the team's looking like record-wise and everything else. So anything, anything is possible. But I think going into the season, McNeil's our second baseman, and it is what it is. Like I, I just, I don't have an issue with it. I think he's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I just before Mauricio got hurt, I thought he definitely was. I, I, I truly believe he was going to get traded. I could be totally off base, but I, I think he was. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, can you still hear me? Because the internet's going out a little bit. Yeah, you, you're getting a little fuzzy, but I can still hear you. Let's wrap. Let's try to wrap it up. All right, all right. I will say before we get out of here that last year with the Dodgers at, in 36 games at second base, Ahmed Rosario did not commit an error. That's all I was thinking about the Ahmed Rosario situation there. But yes, absolutely. The way this offseason has shook out, we're not going to get. You know, it doesn't look like McNeil's on the table to be traded. That's what I'll say in terms of how this roster is shaking out. So I completely agree with you. I think the best bet is here to sort of plug him in at second base to start. Luis Angel Acuna comes up when he's ready. And then, you know, if it's midway through the season or a little bit beyond that, you plug him in there and you move McNeil to left field. I think that's the play here, barring any sort of, I guess, unforeseen trades here, big name trades that we might see for, you know, second base is not, doesn't have a good trade market, but left field maybe, or, or signing something of that potential. So um, that's all I got on the second base market. I know my internet's kind of cutting out here. I apologize about that, but unless you have anything else, 
we can wrap things up and get out of here. No, I just want to say again, thank you, everybody in the chat. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel and CPs as well, please do that. It helps us out immensely. Um, and if you could like and, and comment on both, that would be awesome as well. Regardless of where you're currently watching, if you could hop over to the other, that'd be great. Um, other than that, I hope everyone had a great Christmas. Merry Christmas. If you didn't get the message when we said it on our Christmas episode, um, which is which was awesome with um, Chris. That was with Chris with Keith. That was a fun episode. Um, and then Happy New Year. Like, I'm, I don't think we're going to talk to you guys before um, <laughs> New Year. So Happy New Year. Hope everybody has a great New Year's. Um, be safe if you're out partying or doing whatever. Uh, Take it easy, be safe, and have a drink for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I, I'm just echoing all of your thoughts because, like I said, I don't know if I'm coming in fuzzy here or not. But until the next time on the Interstate Mets Report, uh, Nelson, please do the honors by doing the outro, and we can get out of here. <laughs> all righty. Thank you, everyone, for watching. We'll see you. Have a great weekend. Have a great Friday night. Let's go Mets. Thank you for watching the Interstate Mets Report. Streaming Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe.